Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hi, I'm Tia. The upstairs-downstairs neighbor dynamic is so special. We have our own language. Like when I scream at my mom on the phone, the people downstairs bang on the ceiling to show their support. The nighttime's the best time to rearrange furniture. I call it midnight feng shui. And if I sleep through my alarm in the morning, they bang on my door to wake me. So thoughtful. Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor, but we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Che spettacolo! What a race here at Imola. The circuit has come back onto the Formula 1 calendar for the first time since 2006. And the race did not disappoint. The headlines? Lewis Hamilton wins another Grand Prix, yet another 1-2 for Mercedes. And more importantly, seven consecutive Constructors' Championships in the bag for Mercedes. Outstanding result for them. Welcome along, ladies and gentlemen, to Pits to Podium. As always, it's myself, Samal Arora, here, joined by Kunal Shah. And Kunal, what did we discuss first? Did we discuss Hamilton's win, how it got stolen away from Bottas? Or did we actually come down to the first, I think my Pits to Podium moment would be, which was Daniel Ricciardo's podium, second in two races? I think it has to be Daniel Ricciardo's podium, Samal. It was uh, such an unexpected surprise, you know. And we've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. The fight for P3 is the most entertaining across all positions in the 2020 Formula 1 season. We saw it in the race and we saw it in the Constructors' Championship uh, as well. So, fantastic uh, result for Mercedes. I think, uh, you know, their choice of uh, tyre strategy for Lewis Hamilton is going to be sparking some controversy in the days to come. Yeah. But, you know, that's how, that's how it goes. They just, they, they're just able to show their dominant self ever so often and maximise their race result uh, for the team. I mean, if you betted on them in the Bits to Podium Grand Prix prediction competition, you would be spot on. At least for both of them. That's that's for Hamilton and Bottas. For Max, well, we should come to that later on. But let's dive deeper down into what happened in the lead of the race. We saw Bottas hold on to it very early on. Hamilton fell behind to the clutches of Verstappen, then got passed by him. And eventually, I think that virtual safety car that took place because of Esteban Ocon's gearbox issue, I think that's going to be the main talking point. So let's get down to that very first. And some people say it's a, it's a bit of luck on Hamilton's side that he just was in the right place at the right time when the VSC arrived. And he more or less got a free pit stop. But I think there's on the flip side of that to look at it and say, well, he stayed out. That was his approach. And it, it held out in the end. He was just at the right place at the right time. He was. And, you know, lots of uh, factors coming into play here. And I'm going to try and, you know, put them in some order so it, you know, people don't get lost. But one of the reasons why, uh, you know, Mercedes was able to do what they were able to do with Lewis is because of the fact that Lewis just has so much in reserve when it comes to yeah. race pace. He's able to run these different race modes in himself, which sort of put him in positions for the team to use different tyre strategies for him when they need to. And let's remember, Mercedes uh, as a team and, you know, they're, they're, they, they were going for the Constructors' Championship today. And when you look back, uh, you know, they, they did all they could to maximize a 1-3 to a 1-2 finish. And, you know, after yeah. a point, it was just bad luck for Botas that he ended up finishing second despite 
for doing no, nothing wrong uh, all by himself. Yeah. And the other, the other factor here is, you know, uh, Botas and uh, Max Verstappen were engaged in battle for P1. And when Max pitted and then Botas covered him and so on, so on, it opened up, uh, you know, Mercedes to allow, uh, to, use, to allow a different tire strategy to be used for Lewis Hamilton. But the reason why they could do that, because the second Red Bull car wasn't fighting up at the front. So it was, you know, exactly. Max Verstappen all by himself fighting two Mercedes cars and Mercedes all they could, uh, did all they could to maximize their race result. And that's just been the case for Red Bull of late. I think ever since Daniel Ricciardo left, that they don't have a strong second driver to complement that. Again, lots of woes for Alex Albon, which we shall come down to after we've discussed what happened with Mercedes. But the critical point here is, Kunal, that even though Valtteri Bottas hasn't done much wrong, he still ends up having, uh, having lost more points to Lewis Hamilton this time out in the championship challenge. And this just essentially means that Hamilton can seal it in the next couple of races, which I think we saw it a long way coming. I mean, we always knew that Lewis Hamilton has that extra in the bag. But nevertheless, putting in a faster slap on the final lap of the race, outclassing everyone else, I mean, even defending Verstappen. And yes, luck did play into his side, but that's what the thing is with champions. Champions make their own luck in the end. That's so well said. And, you know, I'm sure Valtteri Bottas will be going, uh, you know, going to sleep tonight convincing himself that luck isn't on his side, hmm. uh, you know, in 2020 as well, because it was just bad luck that, you know, a piece of maybe Vettel's front wing was lodged in yep. his car that cost him performance. It was just bad luck that, you know, when Lewis Hamilton came into pit, the VSC was triggered just at the right time. And let's remember, it was the, the VSC was triggered for exactly the same period of time Lewis was in the pit stop, you know, so nobody else literally had the benefit of the, the, the reduced speed for their rivals on track. I think Stroll maybe had it for half of his pit stop or yeah. something. So, you know, Botas will just be like, that's it. I, all I have to hope for in 2021 is better luck. Because <laughs> let's also remember, he's been oh so close to Lewis Hamilton in, in the qualifying sessions in 2020 that Lewis Hamilton himself made a reference to this, uh, you know, yesterday after Botas edged him again by less than a, hun less than a tenth, uh, you know, for pole uh, at Imola. Exactly. It's just so close between the both of them. And the interesting part is right here that, I mean, make up what you will. Some people will say, oh, conspiracy theory, the FIA want to favor Lewis Hamilton. But no, just a lucky coincidence, which he maximized towards the end. Let's put it that way for Lewis Hamilton. And even for Valtteri Bottas, that damage that you mentioned, the loss of aerodynamics, it was huge. The loss of downforce, I beg your pardon. And the Mercedes engineers on the radio said that it was significant damage. And you could see it. He was locking up consistently at the Rivadza corner where you need a whole lot of downforce. So clearly it wasn't working out for him. But then let's come to the second big point of the race, which was Daniel Ricciardo. Now, we just got confirmation from Ricciardo saying that Cyril Abitbul won't get the second tattoo. But on the broader perspective, the decision not to pit in the final safety car just really, really helped them out big time towards the end. It did. But, you know, if Cyril's not getting a tattoo, given how excited you get each time Daniel Ricciardo's <laughs> on the podium, maybe you should get a tattoo for yourself, Samuel, you know? <laughs> maybe, maybe a few years down the line. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yes, you know, Ricardo benefiting from Verstappen's, uh, you know, Verstappen's DNF and Alexander Albon not being in contention for the podium. So he benefited from that. He chose to not pit uh, towards the, the end of, uh, you know, towards the late race safety car, as did, I think, Charles Leclerc. And it just showed that, uh, you know, uh, Renault chose track position over a better tire for the later stint of the race, given the circuit characteristics where everyone was, you know, uh, finding it so difficult to follow and overtake. In hindsight, it turns out to be the right decision because I think this is maybe the third race in 2020 when Sergio Perez has missed out on a podium. I think it was... It was in Austria when he suddenly had a had a front wing failure. You know, yeah, I think it was, yeah, it was it was a contact with Albin, and then a couple of races ago he was you know again in podium contention, and uh, you know like Perez said uh, on on our TV show that you know it's easy to look back and criticize, but at that time they probably did the right thing, and you know this is something I was talking to to uh, Nityananda, our colleague at at Pits to Podium that. Perez, you know, by virtue of being the driver leading the the midfield pack, would have been in danger if people behind him would have pitted. So, you know, Racing Point did what they had to by pitting and sort of mitigating their risk at that point. And I think he sort of missed out on on P3 because the the safety car period ended up being longer than expected given George Russell's embarrassing crash, you know, behind the safety car. I was just wondering about that. Perhaps... Daniel Ricciardo and I think even Sergio Perez, yeah, they, they just held on to their positions because the virtual safety car was that bit, the safety car, I beg your pardon, was that bit longer. Had it not been that way, who knows, maybe the fresh rubber could have come into perspective. Maybe those other guys behind could have passed him. And speaking of other guys behind on fresh rubber, full of momentum, Danny Kefiat, P4 towards the end. My goodness, that was some result. Yes, he made that stunning move around the outside of Piratella, which is the downhill left-hander at the top of the hill. Amazing, amazing stuff. And he caught Leclerc out by surprise. That and Alex Albon's spin got him the position towards the end. But you've got to say, when in Italy, Alpatari just switch up again and they just get these big results over here. Absolutely, they do. And, you know, given that uh, Pierre Gasly was running uh, as high as P5 because he was forced to retire... Who knows, it could have been Pierre Gasly on, on the podium if everything would have run uh, to course as well. Exactly. They're doing quite well, Alpha Tauri. Let's call it that way. They are maximizing all that they've got. But now, now that we've spoken about the top contenders in the midfield, and one question still that comes to my mind is, how does Sergio Perez not have a seat for 2021? <laughs> Let's actually move towards Red Bull. Now, that's a big talking point for today because Max Verstappen early on, the pass on Valtteri Bottas, that is 100% commitment. Early in the start, he got the jump on Lewis Hamilton. And it did seem for quite a while that Mercedes were wary of, wary of Max Verstappen because they essentially got Bottas to pit because they had to cover off with the Verstappen's undercut. So on the whole, he was quite the force until that puncture. And that just changed everything. It did. It was just so unfortunate. Gladly that, you know, he he, he escaped unhurt. His car was fine. Uh, you know, but he, I think this Verstappen is maybe its third retirement in, in the last five races. So that's cost him a lot of points against Valtteri Bottas in, in 
P2 in the drivers' championship, I'd say. But uh, overall, I think more than anything else, Red Bull would just be scratching their heads a little bit more about uh, Alexander Albon and the very fact uh, that could things have been different had they had two drivers fighting against the two Mercedes drivers up at the front. Because I'm pretty convinced that Mercedes wouldn't have found it as easy to run Lewis on the strategy they did had they sort of uh, kept, uh, you know, had, had had a second Red Bull driver been there. And just to, uh, I, I know I'm going back on that point, but I was chatting with Ajit Dev Dasan on Twitter, you know, uh, he's, he's an FIA accredited journalist as well. And the question we will all get an answer to, you know, in, in the next couple of days when Mercedes releases their pit wall video is, did the virtual safety car come first or was the decision to pit Lewis Hamilton that came first? And of course, on broadcast, it seems very seamless to us that the minute Lewis was in the pit, the virtual safety car sign you know, came on. So that's an interesting clarification we'll get in, in the next uh, couple of days to come, Samuel. Absolutely. And folks, the broadcast that Kunal is speaking about right here is the VSAT network. He works at the VSAT network in Norway, covering most of the Formula One and the motorsport content. So he's a man who knows exactly what he's doing. But Red Bull aside, actually not Red Bull aside, let's actually stick down on that very door for a couple of moments. What is it with Alex Albon? He was just doing a decent job by his own standards. And I say that with a great amount of weight attached to it because he's not had the best of times in Red Bull. But nevertheless, he after the restarted, there did seem like a ray of confidence around again that, hey, Alex Albon, fresh rubber, he's an exciting driver, he's an eager driver, always willing to make a move. But what, what was very interesting to me was that there was no contact between him and Kefiat. Or I think the car that he got passed by was Leclerc, I guess. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty confused about that for a second. So, when he got past, there was no contact. He spun on his own. And Carlos Sainz just had to make the dodge of the century not to hit him. But nevertheless, it's just a clear sign of him cracking under pressure. Unforced error. Basically. It is. Yeah, unforced error. And, you know, at a time when he was in, you know, close contact, uh, close battle with a lot of uh, the Formula 1.5 rivals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for him to say that, hey, I'm pretty sure I was touched just before I spun out is, is definitely him trying to save himself. But I think it's it's probably just a lot mental, just the kind of pressures they go through. And let's remember, I mean, you know, Alexander Albin is third in the list of drivers who were uh, promoted to Red Bull much earlier than they were yeah. sort of ready, or maybe fourth in the list of drivers. Because if we remember Max Verstappen's early days at Red Bull, yes. he struggled a lot as well. So we've had Max Verstappen, Danny Kvyat, Pierre Gasly, now Alexander Albin. And one can only hope that they aren't making haste with Yuki Zanoda by, you know, putting him into exactly. Alpha Tauri in 2021. That is if that, of course, happens. Exactly. And even with Max, many people, now you may come back and say, but hey, Max Verstappen won his first race at Spain. He did, definitely did. But after that, it was a very rocky road for him to get to the level of Daniel Ricciardo. And when he did, boy, he became some competitor. So that's Red Bull sorted. That's the midfield sorted. Let's actually digress to George Russell now before we come to the whole strategy element of Sebastian Vettel and Kimi Raikkonen, which was pretty significant, by the way. George Russell, you've got a feel for him. Under the safety car, cold tires, cold brakes, just a little too eager on the throttle. Heading down towards Aquaminerali, and quite the pun, actually. It seemed like it was wet at Aquaminerali, so he spun out and <laughs> crashed. But uh, nevertheless, it's a very sad accident. But 
I think the one thing that's really bothering me right now is the fact that if George Russell has done it, everyone's comforting and saying, oh, George, you poor soul, we feel so bad for you. Could have been points for you right here. But take your mind back a couple of years ago, Azerbaijan, Roman Grosjean, he did the same thing. And he was absolutely lambasted on social media. So it doesn't quite weigh up for me. It doesn't quite seem like the same thing, Kunal. What's it all about? It's, this is just human tendencies and human classic human behavior at work, you know. Uh, when somebody like George Russell does it, he gains our sympathy. And when Roman Grosjean does this, he deserves our trolling. That's, you know, that's just yeah. how we see them. And, you know, uh, this is probably and hopefully the last of George's uh, embarrassment, uh, embarrassing moments in Formula One, I'd say. But, you know, one of the reasons why this whole uh, biased tendency comes out as well is because George has done nothing but shine in in the last as many races as he's been and you know he's been pretty much error free he's he's earned the praise of somebody like fernando alonso as we all know whereas uh, you know uh, roman grosjean has been the effort terrible uh, you know even before his crash uh, behind the safety car at azerbaijan but yeah. you know that's how life is at times you know there are some people who you just want to cheer up as much as you can and then there are some people you just want to keep making fun of and you know roman grosjean okay. belongs to the to the latter i'd say yeah, a bit, bit unfortunate that case, but same for George Russell too. The way he just sat down at the exit of the track, he was distraught very clearly. He just wanted a few moments for himself and that happens. But to cheer him up, I think lots of champions have had such moments like this as well. We've seen Mika Hakkinen have a couple of moments like this, Montoya, Schumacher. So if anything, he's in a good club, let's put it that way. But, <laughs> but Russell aside, all the accidents aside, I think one major talking point in the mid part of the race was what strategic decisions did Sebastian Vettel and Sir Kimi Raikkonen do? Uh, my apologies. They went out pretty long. If I can remember correctly, Kimi Raikkonen did it on 50-odd laps on medium compound tires and he was fourth. And Nityanand just pointed out on our pitch the podium group that we have here on WhatsApp. He said, had he stayed out a couple of laps later, who knows? Kimi Raikkonen may have been fourth with track position. And on the other side of things, for Sebastian Vettel, he could have had a very good position as well, but just that slow pit stop, excruciating. Excruciating indeed. And, you know, Vettel was ahead of Raikkonen just when he had a slow pit stop. So maybe Vettel could have finished up uh, ahead as well. And I'm just reading my notes. Vettel did like 39 laps on the medium and Kimi Raikkonen did 48 laps on the medium. So, you know, it's it's great to, to see both the Alfa Romeo car score points and they literally ran the reverse strategy with Giovinazzi starting on the soft and then finishing on the medium and, the, you know, Kimi doing the exact opposite. So, uh, you know, it's, it's always good when the, mid, uh, when the lower midfield also scores, you know, and, and has a good race. But unfortunate yeah. for Fettel because he would have been in the points as well because, you know, everyone's been cheering how Charles Leclerc found himself fifth and held Sergio Perez on, on fresher rubber back in, in the last uh, few few laps of the race, uh, Samuel. Exactly. That was, a, that was a good thing to watch out for. So it's good to see Alfa Romeo do pretty well too. And just a quick word on Antonio Giovinazzi as well. The start, not bad. He's gained one position in every starting lap of every single race. And Yes, on one side, you can look up and say, hey, that's probably because they don't qualify so well. But nevertheless, a very good start from him too. Started 20th, came up to P14. 
And I wouldn't say that's the one factor, that's the only factor that behind why you would retain him for 2021, but here he is, he's got that seat towards the end. Yes, you know, he went up uh, six positions, like you pointed out, on the opening lap. And that's exactly what Alfa Romeo was hoping for when they decided to start him on the soft tyre from P20. And let's remember, it was just the last race when Kimi Raikkonen did something very similar, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, at the start of the race. So I think uh, Giovinazzi's, uh, uh, you know, climb up the ranks uh, on the opening lap deserve as much of a cheer as we did so for for Kimi Raikkonen. I would say Sommel. So great to see him retained for 2021. And and uh, you know, uh, I'm sure Ferrari know why they are retaining him apart from just his opening lap uh, skills and maybe his <laughs> nationality. <laughs> exactly. And uh, very quickly, folks, before we wrap up, there's also a couple of very important points that happened in the race. Lance Stoll had a decent comeback, finished in P13 after his opening lap skirmish and front wing change. But Nicholas Latifi, P11, only a couple of seconds behind Antonio Giovinazzi. What could have been? And just, just a very quick word on Nicholas Satifi too. He's just been in the right place at the right time always whenever there's been incidents for somebody. I mean, most of the times when we've seen Russell having a bit of an issue, that's when Latifi pops up. We saw it in Austria as well, but just not getting the points. But I, I would say not bad. He's not doing a very bad job, is he? Uh, well, you know, not too bad a job, but the question should be asked, you know, why is he not able to do what Mr. Saturday does in qualifying ever, yeah. ever so often. So, you know, being seven tenths away from just uh, P10, uh, at least a fantastic result, you know, shows he had an error-free race. But talking of Lance Troll, he suffered from cold breaks and, you know, almost took his front jack yes. man yes. off. And I, I'm, I'm hoping that there wasn't too many injuries that the front jack man, you know, would have faced because that looked a little too uh, too aggressive uh, on, yeah. on, on the broadcast camera. Again, you know, not to say the driver made a mistake, but uh, that's uh, what happened. And, you know, but I'm, I'm sure at the end of the day, Russell would be wondering why the second race in a row, he's not been able to match Sergio Perez and the brilliance that, you know, he's been able to pull out ever so often. And, Again, you know, racing point in, in their fight for P3, which, by the way, they lost uh, the P3 to Renault, uh, you know, after uh, Ricardo's podium. They need both cars fighting up at the front. And that's not happened for two races in a row. And we all know how, how closely fought the battle for P3 is, Samuel. It is. And it means a lot for the teams. We've discussed it so many times here on Pits to Podium. But it's the first time, essentially, that these midfield teams have a chance to fight for P3 now that Ferrari is not doing well. So it's a big, big marketing attraction for them, if you will. And yeah, they've, they've got to fight for that. And again, there are people saying that, oh, Lance Scholl can potentially beat Sebastian Vettel next year. The way it's going, doesn't quite look like it. It doesn't. And it's. I hope it's not a season or a team of who drives far worse than the other that settles the whole Stroll versus <laughs> Vettel uh, discussion. Yeah. And you know, I've attracted a lot of flack when, when I wrote a post which said that, you know, will Aston Martin use uh, Sebastian Vettel to make Lance Stroll look good? But the truth is that that could very well happen. And, you yeah. know, it could give an image lift for Lance Stroll, uh, you know, and, and how, you know, he sort of struggled with this whole perception in, in 2021. But that's for next year. 
And now the upcoming race is going to be Turkey in, in 14 days time, Somil. You know, turn seven, turn eight. That's mm -hmm. what everyone's going to be looking for. And, uh, you know, with uh, Hamilton having the chance to sort of seal his uh, seventh driver's title as well. So lots to, you know, look forward to in the coming races. Wait, didn't he seal it already in Austria back at the very first race with the conference he drove? <laughs> Lewis Hamilton, right? That's the kind of driver he is. But no, on a very honest note, Turkey should be awesome. Turkey should be amazing. It's a circuit that we all love. Uh, thankfully, or unfortunately, I mean, it depends on which way you look at, there aren't going to be no fans. I mean, in a way, it's good because Turkey, sadly, always faced a problem attracting fans to the very circuit because it's, what, as far away, as far as away to Istanbul as it is to the moon, essentially. That's how far it is. But again, on the same side, we are seeing a few fans enter most of the European circuits. So nevertheless, whatever it is, it's a plus or it's a minus, depends on the way you look at it. But it should be a fun race on the whole canal. And we should be discussing that more midweek when we come for our pre-race preview. But nevertheless, if you just had to pick one big winner from today and just maybe a couple of prediction points for Turkey, what would they be before we wrap up? I think the one big winner for today for me would definitely be Sergio Perez. You know, uh, we didn't see him on the podium, but he literally ran in contention till the last pit stop, which, you know, as as we explained, was something that the team would look back on. Because let's remember, he also didn't make it to Q3. So he yeah. made the most of the, the free tire choice he had. And I think he he ran an old cut of maybe five or six or seven cars, uh, yeah. you know, to, to get to P4. And uh, then he, he also had a comfortable gap, I think a gap of at least three or four seconds to Daniel Ricciardo. I'm talking of before the, the late race safety car came out. So, you know, Perez is literally just showing how Racing Point has made the wrong choice for 2021, which we all know, but he's giving us <laughs> proof with every passing race. So for me, Perez was the big winner. And for Turkey, again, you know, uh, going back with the statistics, uh, you know, difficult to not pick a Mercedes pole and win, uh, you know, when, when we get back to racing in 14 days' time. Should be brilliant. Should be a fun race back in Turkey in a couple of weeks. We shall see you midweek when we come with our pre-race preview. Until then, don't forget, follow Switch to Podium and the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. Links down in the description. And if you aren't participating yet, the Grand Prix prediction competition is still open. We start in the time in 24 hours before qualifying begins. So that's where you can come in and give your predictions. So once again, folks, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. If you liked it, which is why you're here at this stage, please feel free to give a like, to share this video, and to subscribe to the channel. And as always, Kunal, thank you so much for being here. Likewise, Samuel. Thanks, and see you guys at a video very, very soon. Absolutely. Bye-bye.